Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that your grace is sufficient for us and for the ministry of small groups, uh, both here at the Advent and uh, elsewhere, or the, how you've used them in our lives to grow us closer to you and to grow our faith. And so, Lord, we pray that you would inhabit this time. Holy Spirit, come and move in our hearts and in the words that are spoken, uh, that we might have our eyes open to the great work that you are doing in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This morning, uh, we're going to, this is our last one. Y'all are, y'all are the, the last one, the finale of uh, our summer conversations. And uh, we are going to talk a little bit about small group ministry, uh, which has been a big thing here at the Advent for years and years and years. And rather than just sort of give you nuts and bolts, we want to talk about small group as a ministry and how it's impacted people's lives. And so to help us do that, we have Marilyn Dixon, who is our most recent former coordinator for small groups, and Emily Menendez, who is who has just come on board, anchor down, and uh, all these Vanderbilt people. Gracious, yeah. So um, delighted that y'all are with us uh, today. And uh, small groups start under Paul's law. And Paul was a big proponent of them. He was. And what? actually, I, would, I really would love for you to pass that to Jane because she was... Jane, it. tell us how small groups started. <laughs> We're going to do the Q&A portion at the beginning. It's like, it's like Paul's all. You eat dessert first. Um, you, I guess Fran Cade was actually the first director of small groups. So if she was here, I'd give her the microphone. Um, but Paul, was the, when he was the dean, he was a very strong proponent of small groups and really felt like that is where we really engaged with scripture and our lives are really changed and community is formed and pastoral care really happens. Um, and he, we really had a strong push kind of parish wide um, for people to get involved in small groups. And I think at our heyday under Paul, we probably had about 80 small groups meeting and um, just it's, it's, it's always been a very vibrant ministry um, for me personally, it's where I really started to engage with Scripture. I knew very little about the Bible growing up. I just wasn't really raised in a particularly strong Christian home. And um, got in a small group um, with people who are now still some of my dearest friends. And um, that's where I really started to open the Bible and um, kind of realized it's not really what do I believe. It's what does Scripture say and do I believe that? And that, for me, was a real transforming moment. And, um, I, you know, I, I really, you grow in community. You can, you learn, iron sharpens iron. And you really learn from each other. Um, so I don't know if that's a full enough answer, but. I'm going to walk down the street and get breakfast if you want to just come on up here. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's really what it is. One of the things that happens when people come to the Advent is, and the Advent's not, for everybody, I understand that, but it, it can be overwhelming, especially the size and the way that we do things here on Sunday morning where you're, you know, in worship and then you just kind of follow the herd to wherever it goes and you might see a class that you like that says in the assembly hall and unless, you know, you pull a Hansel and Gretel and have breadcrumbs or something, how in the world do you find it? And so it's really hard sometimes to connect around here. What has been y'all's experience in small groups, both here and, and elsewhere, honestly? Well, first, I'd like to clarify in case anybody doesn't understand the difference between a Bible study and a small group, because they are two different animals. So um, a a Bible study is more of a teaching, and there's uh, usually prayer at the beginning and and prayer at the end, but it is not a um, sharing and mending, uh, not mending, knitting together of lives of the people in the group, usually. 
Um, it's usually tends to be come if you can, um, and and so you're you're that's not going to provide the component of um, pastoral care I think like that Jane referred to. So um, and then the small group is going to be usually smaller than a Bible study and meeting usually in people's homes for about an hour and a half a week. And um, it's just a it's 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 got a it's got a teaching component, but it also has a prayer component and a fellowship component. So it's just a little bit of a different probably functions more like a Sunday school class in other churches, wouldn't you say? You know, some yeah, churches... it's, yeah, it, uh, an interactive Sunday school class right, would right. be a good way of, of, of describing it, but much more intimate. Yeah, the idea that once it's formed, it's closed. So you have a group that meets for a period of time, and you don't have people coming and going, right. and there becomes commitment between the people in the group. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been in a small group since I was in middle school, uh, certainly not here at the Advent, but there's not been a point in time in my Christian walk where I haven't been in small group uh, with with somebody, and and that's made all the difference uh, for me. And for those who haven't been involved in small groups, especially, I've noticed with men when they with their wives say, "Oh, I'd like to be a part of a small group," and like the look on their face just says in bright lights, "Supper club with a Bible," <laughs> which is like no way, no way. And um, but it, it really is amazing. Um, how um, how impactful it is when you get a, a group of people together and um, you just talk about the Bible and your faith and you're on even keel and God willing eventually that begins to manifest itself into you sharing lives mm-hmm. with with one another where you are talking about your real real struggles. You're, there's it's marked by honesty. Uh, and um, and real depth uh, of insight in a safe place where you can say, "Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief." Right. Those those sort of those sort of statements. Uh, but I mean, Emily, when I mean, have you always been involved in a small group? Well, or? yeah, I um, I think the same is true for me. I've been involved in a small group most of my life, and I'd say that's certainly where the most of my Christian growth has taken place. A safe place to really give legs to the gospel you know this is something i believe and hear and and learn but to to take it into a context where i can actually ask questions and start to apply it to life um has been huge for me but i um i was thinking through this and thinking through what small groups of the advent have done for me and we were in a group together i when i first got married matthew and i decided to come to the advent which um was not particularly comfortable for me I grew up at um, Covenant Presbyterian. My family still goes there. Many of you probably know them. And um, wonderful church, um, but different style of worship. Um, wasn't wasn't particularly my home yet. And so, also the, um, <laughs> the the women in the pulpit thing was really scary to me. That was not um, part of my depending background. on the woman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you know we we kind of worked through that and. Um, decided to come here, and I said, all right, Lord, like, I'll commit to the Advent, but I'm just going to steer clear of that Heidi person, because Heidi Gunner was on staff, and we'll just, I just won't kind of deal with that whole part of it. Um, and sure enough, probably my second month here, I get a call from Heidi. I'm like, oh, gosh. And she asked me to be part of a, a small women's group discipleship. And um, that group was so important for me for a lot of reasons. We studied, and we asked hard questions, um, and kind of the bottom line was I really got to know some other women in the church that made it home. Um, 
I felt comfortable with. Marilyn was in that group with me, mm -hmm. which is really neat, you know, looking back. But um, it, it made it a place where there were familiar faces when I came to church, and it, you know, I, I couldn't. I don't know that I would have really plugged in the Advent if it wasn't for that. And mm -hmm. then, you know, shortly thereafter, my own group that I'm still a part of now has been meeting about seven years. That's a couples group, and I could probably talk for an hour about that. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, one of the one of the scary things I think about small groups is that you're lumped together with this group of people. Some you may know, and some you may not know, and it's a, it's intimidating, right? And it's not as if after one meeting you think instant community, right? Here here we all are. And how does uh, what is your have you ever had a bad small group experience where you go in you're like this is going to be a very small short small group? <laughs> <laughs> um, and what what and, and I guess the difference is like what makes Right. The small group, like, hey, this is working as opposed to. Right. Yes. Well, and the, one of the main, I mean, obviously, the small group director is not in each small group. And so part of Emily's job is if, if, if something is not a fit, she will very gracefully help you navigate your way through that. Um, Jane, I think, had, had, had called, I can't remember, this was many years ago. I actually was never in any kind of group. I pretty much came to Christ about 13 years ago, so here at the Advent, and, um, and that was this is my first experience of any kind like that has been here, and I think Jane had called us a couple of times to see if we would be interested, and we had you know little bitty kids, and my husband he was like absolutely not, and finally he agreed, and we went to a group that I was very excited about, and I really I felt very um, energized by being a part of this particular group and it just didn't work for him he just we did it for six months and he said and I, and I you know Jane said you know you you can gracefully get out at Christmas time or whatever if it's not working and instead so that was really hard for me because I was finally feeling plugged in and connecting but it wasn't a fit for him and so we, we pulled Jim out here, Jim what was your problem <laughs> <laughs> he's not here I probably wouldn't have said that um Anyway, so we just we kind of let it sit for a little while, and then uh, and then Jane called us again, and um, and we were you know, agreed to try another group, and it was a tremendous blessing. Uh, interestingly, um, it ended up having both, unbeknownst to any of us, both my cousin and my brother were all, ended up all being in this small group. And we, when I first found out, I kind of was taken aback, and I said, I'm just not sure if I want to get in something like this with my brother, and. And I talked to Jane about it, and we agreed maybe it was, a, you know, the, the Lord had done that on purpose. And sure enough, it has been, for us as a, as a family, such a blessing to be able to share this walk, which may not have happened, you know, it's hard with family, and it may not have happened otherwise. So that was a tremendous blessing. You know, the Lord really works through these groups in a very intentional way. So um, that was my, my blessing. As far as groups not working out, uh, you know, it could be any number of things. Um, you know, commitment is probably the most well, probably the most important thing is for everyone to acknowledge that this is God's group. Um, and you've been pulled together. You may not understand why, but you've been pulled together for a reason. And, and then, you know, for the commitment, because, you know, you don't always want to go. Sometimes life is crazy, and it is hectic, and you are tired, and, you know, things come up. But uh, the commitment, wouldn't you say for your group, the commitment has been yeah, really absolutely. big? And, and it's hard. I mean, life gets really, really busy. So that's understandable. I think, too... I'm sure you have this experience. I'll call people, and when we talk, and I ask them about a small group, it's, I might as well be asking for them to give, you know, 20 hours of community service. It just is, which is, you know, if you, 
don't understand what it is and that it's for you and it's a gift for you and your growth, then you will see it that way. It's just mm -hmm. another thing that's something to have on your plate. And um, I think that this is, that's why this is so good to talk about it and to realize that um, what's going on in those groups is not just another commitment in your week, that it's really a place for you to grow, to grow close and to, to, to really um, begin to understand scripture and um, how the gospel applies to life. And so I think having that understanding is really formative mm -hmm. to whether or not your group works. It's right. the why you're there. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, ultimately, bottom line, the Holy Spirit uh, makes that happen. But, but, I mean, it's okay. I mean, if you're in a small group and you're thinking, maybe the Holy Spirit isn't working in the way that I wish you were working, <laughs> um, then, then, then that's okay. And I mean, there is a sense in which it does have to be a chemistry fit. And for some people, there we have small groups that are across demographic lines, so different ages, different stations of life. Uh, my small group that, that I'm involved in, and, and I'm just a participant in the small group. I mean, sometimes when some ridiculous question comes up, they all look at me, and, and then I pass out. And, uh, but it's, um, but I'm, I actually almost never lead it. Um, uh, but uh, for ours, everybody is married, has young kids, and we've even gotten creative of how we meet. So we meet uh, once a week, and uh, one week we'll meet as couples, and then the next week we'll meet as just the men, and then the next week we'll meet as couples, and the next week we'll meet just as as women. And we do that because that helps with babysitting costs and things like that. And uh, there are things that a man might say in front of the other men that they wouldn't necessarily say in front of a woman and vice versa. So, I mean, there are lots of creative ways of, of going about doing it, but one of the things that is remarkable uh, with our small group, and I've been in small groups where literally kind of where we interacted with one another was just in small group, and yet our small group uh, very much are our friends, our community, the people that, that we would go out with. And, and it is hard. I mean, everybody is so busy, and you do think, well, this is one more commitment. But uh, I just I'm, – I'm always convicted. I get these things in the mail all the time for support my mission trip or support this. And there are people that I know, and I think, oh, you know, I really want to do this, but I feel like I'm getting nickel and dimed, and, and I feel so proud when I put like $100 in and send it away. And then that Friday, I have no problem dropping like $150 at Highlands just like that. Right? I have no problem. I don't think twice about it. And it's a really convicting thing that I think all the things that I give myself over to uh, that really ought not to be a priority, honestly, and that I put so much stock in. And of all things, uh, we just clear our calendar. We know that on Wednesday night, that that's just that's what we do, and, and that's where uh, where we're going to be. And from my own experience, uh, like it, it actually has helped Lauren and I in in my marriage. One of the things I think a lot of couples struggle with is how do how do we maintain a spiritual life together? Um, we almost always have conversations after our small group about whatever was talked about that night and and the stuff going on, and uh, that has been the biggest force in helping us be in a relationship with Jesus together and, and, and have a spiritual life together where otherwise, you know, it, if, if you struggle with that in your marriage, it, it often seems forced. Yeah. Like, okay, now we're going to pray together or now we're going to sit down. But, but small group allows it to be much more organic and, and, and to, to, to flush itself uh, out in, in, in that way. I think one of the things that y'all have said and that Jane said too is just the opportunity to to connect. It is very easy just to have, you know, if 
and my generation's a little bit like this. We love anonymity. Like if, if you want anonymity, the Advent might be the best church on earth for you because you can literally duck in and duck out, and and no one will will really say anything. And that's just because it's it's busy around here and it's big, and nobody wants. We've all been in the boat where we think today I'm going to be extra friendly. Hmm. I'm going to go up to someone and say, "Hi, my name's Andrew. Welcome to the Advent." And they're going to look at you and say. I've been a member here for 30 years, right? It's happened to all of us. Mm -hmm. And so then we say, well, so much for hospitality. I'm just going to lay low. So, uh, but, but that's not the way the Lord wants it. And small groups weren't our idea. I mean, uh, the Lord had his disciples. And within that group of disciples, he had a small group with, uh, with the others and uh, that he took up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And so even Jesus had his own inner circle, inner small group, his his go-to people, and I mean, it, if you had to make a phone call in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't it be your small group people that, mm-hmm. that you're calling? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I want to, um, you know, the other thing talking about growth, and you know, there's, you know, we all can all look around and see the culture around us, and that it is definitely not the culture that um, that, that the Lord had intended for us to live in, and the small group can be an oasis from that where you can try to wrestle with, okay, what's going on around us and what do we believe? And, and honestly, if, if the group is, um, is healthy, and, and, and if it's not healthy, we have ways that, you know, clergy can be, um, come in and participate with the group or certain members, you know, can have a conversation. But um, if it's healthy, then, then group members are able to say really radical things like, I'm not sure I believe in fill in the blank. And if, if the group is such that there is a trust and a... Um, even confidentiality, that those, those kinds of issues can be addressed. Because I think, you know, many of us probably carry stuff around that we don't even know. We don't even know there's a root of bitterness within us. Or, um, or we don't even know that there's some part of the Bible that we've never quite believed. And until we believe that, we're not going to really embrace, <laughs> embrace the faith. And so this is the context in which those things can be worked out. And I'd like to read this just from Ephesians because it, um, it kind of speaks to, you know, written how many, you know, how many years ago, and it still speaks to us today. He says, um, he says, uh, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the minist- work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may be no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every kind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So that speaks to not only our own... um, our own growth in Christ, but our growth as, as the body together. And small group is a, a really amazing way to, um, to experience that growth and not in isolation. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, one of the great things about what Paul says there in Ephesians 4 is he says the work of the ordained clergy is to equip the church for the work of ministry. So my, my job is an equipping job. And one of the... Uh, the remarkable things, if you're ever in on the eastern seaboard and out in the country, you'll be driving on a windy road and you will all of a sudden see this Methodist church in the middle of nowhere. And you think, who goes to this church? Huh. And uh, what 
uh, you would quickly find out if you stop and ask somebody is that actually 200 years ago there was a stump there and the Methodist circuit rider would come around once every four weeks and he would preach and then he'd get on his horse and he would go to the next place. And yet there's a church there. Why? Because what really was the whole bedrock of the Methodist revival and why in literally just a couple years uh, where the Church of England in America, now the Episcopal Church, uh, went from being the sort of prominent church to getting leapfrogged by the Methodists. And at one point, the Methodists were more than anybody else in America, uh, was the fact that they had what they called class meetings. They had small groups. And so what the circuit rider would do is he'd come in once every four weeks, but in the interim, everybody would meet in small groups. And so that was really uh, the church. And so if you only have a minister coming in once every four weeks, you really couldn't rely on them or, or look to them. for You you were the church. And so uh, what Jane was saying about uh, even pastoral care being rooted in, in a small group context, and, and we've had that. I mean, a lot of our small groups uh, have been marked by great joys and, and great tragedies. And one of the things I've noticed, if something has happened, we have a one, St. Amelia's Guild or St. Catherine's Guild does the casseroles. They make these wonderful casseroles, and it's great. When you have a church of 3,800 members, first, knowing that something is going on in somebody's life, we don't know unless you tell us. Right? We don't. And when you tell us, we'll give you a casserole. <laughs> and um, and uh, Stella Schreiber will come and greet you with a smile, and she's really wonderful. And, uh, and Craig will call you on your birthday. Hello. Uh, and uh, it's, that's really great. But... Um, when something happens in our small group, whether it be a joy or a tragedy, like even the birth of a child. So a child is born, and it's not actually the advent at a meta level, but it's the small group who is coordinating meals with other small groups and bringing them in and, and helping with babysitting. And when a tragedy happens, it's the small group that is kicking in. Because a church this size, it's really hard for us, even though we have a wonderful pastoral care department, it's hard for us to accommodate. And so really, that's where you begin to see the church being the church. Is, is in that small group. And even though it is intimidating to be thrown together and you look around and you wonder, do I know any of these people? Uh, the wonderful thing about that, it's intimidating on the one hand, but the wonderful thing about it, uh, the common bond there is your faith in Jesus, right? And not, not anything else. The other stuff, it tends to click along the way, but that's, that's the starting point. And, um, and that's why I think that you can go to zero to 100 so fast in a small group of, of having that intimacy is because that's what you share in common. And you know, one of the hardest parts of the Bible, we had it just uh, last week, although I edited it out for time's sake. Uh, but one of the hardest things in the Bible is when Jesus says, um, uh, I tell you, he who doesn't you know, throw over his mom and dad and is not worthy to follow me. Or when Jesus' family comes to, to visit him and they, the disciples say, your family's here. And he says, who is my family? You are my family. And I read that in the Bible and I think, yikes. Although there's this funny line where it says, Jesus says, I will turn mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. And I thought, that's not really supernatural. <laughs> but um, but, um, but there's, you know, that, that sounds like such a harsh word from Jesus, but when you get into Christian community, it's not over and against your blood family, but you realize the intimacy and the closeness that you have with your brothers and sisters in Christ that, indeed, I mean, the water of baptism is thicker than blood. And, and we believe it, yeah. that it already exists. 
right. know, before you come to the group. And a lot of churches do a lot of affinity groups, and we don't do that as much. Like, we're a biking group that also does Bible study, or we're of this group, and, you know, we believe it, that that fellowship already exists and is a powerful thing to, to come into, and then the friendship component comes out of that. At least that's what I found in my groups. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you've been you've been meeting for seven years. Yeah. Seven years. And um, when did any of y'all have kids? I guess one family. We had, had one kid. child when we started, and I've lost count. I think there's maybe fifteen, maybe more. There's a lot. <laughs> and um, and still still counting. Yeah, still counting. Yeah. We've got a couple. Of, not not us. Not us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I took this job. Not this yeah. job. Um. Yeah, so it, uh, we've experienced so much together. I mean, so many joyful things, but also a lot of really hard things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of us have walked through really difficult things with our own families, um, other friends, and um, I'm just thinking about the pastoral care, the culture in our group. And so when um, when baby Cameron died, we um, it was an amazing testimony to the ministry of small groups because I, I'm sure Marilyn was coordinating it, but there were you know, six other small groups of the Advent that all reached out to the individual couples within our group to minister to us as we ministered to the Coles. And I just will never forget how powerful that was, just of watching the body come together and work like that and just God using the small group ministry that those groups just um, just loved on us. And, it, and just what an amazing testimony that was for me about how God uses us when we are connected to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there seems there's a, there's a there's an honesty and a freshness to small groups uh, that that's hard to find in the church. And so, in the example that you're that you use when when baby Cam died and the small groups were allying around your whole small group, um, you know, a lot of times people will call up a, a fellow Christian and say, "Hey, here something has happened. Can I do anything for you?" And the wonderful thing about that is that they just did it. <laughs> Right. They didn't ask your permission. They just did it. Yeah, and Carolina Zell just showed up for the casserole. Like, yeah. Wow, this, this is amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think that that's, that's it, too, that, that in the small group ministry, you begin to get some perspective on what the Christian life looks like and what it feels like, and uh, you can see yourself in those situations, right, because there's a depth of honesty where you can actually be vulnerable and allow others to serve you in a way that might not have been possible if you had not had that intimacy with your own small group. Yeah. Um, how long have you been in your small group? With, with well, our, um, our couple's small group disbanded about a year ago, maybe. Um, we hit, And it's funny because when I took the job, I was very frustrated with a certain age group um, who all seemed, there seemed to be a big vacuum of people. What age in, group is that? You it's like that. the 40s. Um, and I was like, what is that? What's, what's going on here? And then <laughs> I hit that age and... Um, and for some reason, when I was a kid, sports did not take place at night. We, we played sports after school. But now, for some, it, they seem to be nighttime practice. I guess because the parents who coach have to get off work first. But anyway, the practices are at nighttime. And so we had five nights a week of sports practice. And, uh, and, we, and then takes, that's, we have six couples. And so I think four of us were in that same boat. And so we just, it ended up being near impossible to get a majority at, um, at especially with people that had three and more children because then they're really splitting themselves. And so what I've um, talked to Emily a little bit about as far as that age group goes, 
I think um, perhaps a Sunday um, would be a good idea to aim for for that age, for people in that stage, I should say, with kids, or um, or simply try to do men and women for a few years. Men meeting maybe at lunchtime and women meeting in the daytime. Right. So, but before that, our group um, started, I guess um, nine maybe nine years ago, with uh, Don and Jane, and it was a tremendous blessing. Um, it, and, and, and like like you were saying, it, it's, we became social friends. We, we didn't just see each other the once a week or talk just the once a week. And um, it, it's been um, it's been a really 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 hard thing. We all from time to time, you know, let's get together. It, it's it's a big vacuum. It's a loss, honestly, that we have not been meeting. So, hoping to find some way to fill that void. Yeah, and, uh, Part of what I mean, I'm, I would love to talk to anybody that wants to call with suggestions or creative ideas, and you know, plenty of you have been in small groups a lot longer than I have, and may have good ideas for that phase of life. And I think men and women's groups is a great idea. Mm-hmm. That's a great place to get fed, and um, we have those. And you know, the way Andrew's group does it is fantastic. I think we'll have one or two more groups starting that kind of set up in the fall. Um, and maybe some other just short-term groups where we can commit for six weeks, things like that that make it doable. So, you know, you don't have to commit to eternity Eternity, uh, when you're doing a small group. We can. Yeah, um, and we've actually decided uh, this past year, it's we, we put money in the budget to help offset the cost of babysitting. Uh, so if you're, if you're struggling in a small group and say, you know, we just can't afford the babysitter, we can. We can help offset that a little bit. Uh, one of the other things that, that I've noticed in, in my group that I've never noticed anywhere else, and I think is one of the reasons why our small group is, is strong, is uh, are the men in the group. Um, uh, it's, it's remarkable to me to, uh, well, I'll just go ahead and say it. Normally when I go to a big group and if it's both men and women there, um, you know, the men just sort of kind of hang back and the women are the ones engaging and asking all the questions and the men are just being deferential, I suppose. Uh, but um, we have really strong guy leaders in, in our group and we all take turns leading um, both men and women. But the, but the guys uh, are really, really committed to it. And I think that a lot of that has helped because we do meet separately from the women from time to time and um, – and that has made um, a, a big difference because that can be an intimidating setting for a man. Uh, not to be too offensive, but um, we have a little saying in our family that came from my grandfather that um, uh, the church uh, is uh, is like a brazier. It is for support, uplift, and it's for women. <laughs> and um, and um, and. Um, and I mean, it was a little joke, but there was a lot of truth to that in my house growing up. That that you know, if you were going to pray, and the women in my family prayed, right? the women in my family were the ones who asked the spiritual questions. And that's not a new thing for anybody who thinks, well, there's been sort of a feminization of Christianity in the 20th century. I mean, even when uh, Paul writes his uh, second letter to Timothy, he says, "I remember Lois and your grandmother." Uh, who who imparted the Christian faith to you as a young man? So, and a lot of us in here have probably said, mom, grandmother, some female figure in our lives had a, a, a pretty significant impact. So, what I've been impressed by are the the men stepping up in in our small group and really taking on um, an involved role um, that that I hadn't 
seen before in a, in a co-ed uh, mixed mixed group, and I think that a lot of it is there's some good things happening in Birmingham. A lot of those guys are involved in um, Sunrise Ministries, our own Todd Liscom. Todd or Richard, are you here? Richard Simmons, um, their ministry, they do a lot of great things with men, and um, and so that's that's helped, um, but uh, that's that's made a big mm-hmm. a big a big difference. Um, so I think the idea at, at the advent is that I mean my hope my hope is that everybody would be a member of a small group uh, at the advent uh, for for no other reason than it's it's really good for you <laughs> and uh, and it's it's a lifesaver in more ways than than one and and I've been as I said a part of those small groups that haven't necessarily uh, panned out. Um, from the time I was in middle school all the way up a- until now, and uh, and yet um, I always go back to them. I always go back to them, and and I I can actually walk through my, through my mind and remember every single small group, even the ones that didn't seem that impactful. Actually, were really formative uh, in in my life. In my life. Anything else you want to say to these good people? Well, I would just say if you if you feel um, a nudge or um, an urge, or if you feel called even to um, participate in or lead a small group, have a conversation with Andrew or Emily or really anyone, any of the clergy, um, whoever you feel comfortable with, because um, I, I believe that um, particularly leadership to this sort of thing, I, I think that you, you know when you're called. And it may be a scary thing to think about, but really and truly the, the group context is, is so warm and grace-filled and they always need people to lead groups. And so. you, don't, you don't have to be a, a theologian no. to lead either. Mm-hmm. Um, God will use you. Yeah, that's the well. great thing about having Emily on staff in Maryland before her is, you know, I mean, we as a, I mean, they'll always ask me, what do you think <coughs> we ought to do? And I'll come up with some really great idea and then they'll throw it out the window. Uh, and uh, I always get upset by that. But uh, there are great resources to say, you know, we've been doing this for umpteen years and we just don't know what to do. What resources do you have? What is everybody else doing? We're Tim Kellered out, whatever mm-hmm. it might be, um, and so so yeah, help us. So you're you're here to help. Absolutely, that's a big part of my job. And we have an excellent resource library. I don't know if you've ever checked it out, but there's actual resources you can look through in the library. Um, in the that, living, which is I mean, the li- living room. No, the library is the living. The library, the library is located in the living room, in the living room off of Klingman. Right. Exactly, like you said, you need a map. But um, but Jane and Marilyn spend a lot of time doing that, and then looking for new things. Um, Happy to help do that. Did that for a group this week that was really trying to find a new resource that I think will be a good fit. So there's a lot of good stuff out there. And the the thing that I I see in small groups here, which is such an encouraging sign of the Advent, I mean, people aren't looking necessarily for for topical. Uh, They're actually, we want to be in the Bible. We want to read our Bibles. And so is there a resource out there that we can use to help uh, facilitate uh, that Bible reading? In our remaining moments, questions, comments, concerns? Um, we had a first in our small group. Uh, when this one came together, there were some single people. And uh, two of the singles got married just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, <laughs> that was really fun. But um, that, you know, No mad rush to the handsome small group. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, course we're going to be there for pastoral counseling too um, <laughs> the one thing interesting about the history of small groups here from my feeble memory um, 
Larry Gibson, uh, who preceded Paul Zoll, um, you know, we had a lot of growth and a lot of young people at the church, and he really wanted and worked hard to try to get small groups off the ground. But um, it was not lay-led. It was clergy-led. And uh, there was some success, but it really never grabbed hold. And I think one of Paul's real insights was when he hired Fran. It was uh, lay-led. And I think that has been the key. This is a lay-led ministry that is, you know, non-ordained people uh, getting involved in other people's lives uh, with the spiritual foundation. And I, I think that has been one of the real secrets to making this successful. From a leadership point of view, how do you keep up with what's going on in the small groups? And let's just say for prevent some, somebody from wandering off into heresy or something. And do you keep tabs on what's going on in the groups? Well, a lot of what I'm doing this summer, I mean, I'm pretty new to this job, is just spending a lot of time getting to know our groups. So I've been making calls to all the leaders and asking, what are you studying and how's it going and how I can support you? And can we do that perfectly? No. You know, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people that make mistakes in their groups, and we've got to trust that you know, God's got that. Um, you, know, you may have more to say about that, but I, I think that what goes on there is so important that instead of living in fear about it and never, you know, growing our ministry, that we should continue and, um, Can you gauge the, what's successful and, and, and suggest to the other people that, you know, you might want to try a different approach here? Absolutely. For example, a per- wonderful solution. I, I'm not sure if you, your group came up with that, but it, you're not the only group that does it. But this this rotation of, of meeting was a brilliant, and I, I had nothing to do with it, a brilliant solution to the paying babysitter, you know, every Wednesday night. So, and that's the sort of thing you can pass on to another group that wants to start but is anxious about the, you know, cost. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know, there's always going to be people are people. We're all sinful and faulty. And, I mean, look at a marriage and then take 12 people and put them in a relationship. And, it's, you know, it can be challenging. But um, we do hold up. We, we, you know, we lift up groups in prayer. And we also, they, you know, the clergy acts as a support. And, um, and it can be called in pastorally if, if need be. Uh, but ultimately, there's no there's no formula for um, because people are people, uh, and we just have to invoke the Holy Spirit every every meeting and hope that um, that we're obedient. Yeah. I think I, I mean I can speak to that at some level. They, um, I, I'm really impressed by the caliber uh, of leadership and, and the faithfulness of, of our parishioners, and so I will get complaints from people in small groups critiquing the Bible study they're doing. Uh, and it's not necessarily for heresy, but they'll just say it's so lame and it's so surfacey. And but what they do is they take it the extra step, mm-hmm. and they'll go away from it. They'll say, "Look, he asked this, or they wrote this, but here's the real issue." And and they'll really begin to mine and, and get down in there. Uh, some of the other, yeah, I don't think there, there's definitely not a magical formula to making small groups work, but there do seem to be some indicators uh, when we look at small groups and see that they're strong. Uh, and the biggest things are are commitment, and along with that, willingness. So really, so if the group says, I oh, will meet once every two weeks, they're going to have a hard time making that work. Uh, but those who are meeting weekly, uh, who are committed,
committed, also willing, they're really excited about it, and that I've, I've already mentioned, it seems that if the men are really engaged, that's not a secret to having it work, but it seems to be an indicator of the healthy group if the men are really engaged. I just, um, Victor very nicely addressed what was already on my mind, and I'm just going to underline it again, which is because some people need an explicit invitation and not just um, and I might be one of those. So if you're one of those, if you're single, small groups are a great way to get in touch with the body of Christ and to really find that family that you have already made through faith in him that's here waiting for you. And I think very often we might think, well, I can't join a couple's group. I can't do this. I can't do that. And those are just excuses. You can join a small group as well, even if you're single or whoever you are. I just wanted to say quickly that Trey and I have been in three small groups, and Jane was so encouraging. You do not have to stay in one that's not working for you. I felt my heart's amazed, feelings, da-da-da-da. We were in one for like a year. But, but now we love our small group, and it was thanks to Jane encouraging me that it's okay. If it's not working, there's another one that will work. Um, we were part of um, a small group that lasted a long time, and I think one of the things that made it work, you were asking why did they work, why don't they don't, they just speaking to that to add a little more. I think trust and confidentiality go a long way. Um, when a crisis happens or a pastoral care issue comes up for some someone in the group, the group it can really pull the group together and it's um, and just trusting the members to you know I, we had that happen pretty quickly in, with ours early on and and I, it was a health care crisis with me and it was I was terrified to let it out and I didn't want the group to know at first and then with Jane's help, it just it brought us so together, and it and I could trust the group to keep what I was talking about in the group, and it was the greatest blessing in my life to have that group, and it is um, one of the best things we ever did as a couple, as individuals, with, and so I just think the confidentiality part is important. And um, so that, you know, you're, you just don't want everybody talking about you at church or in, at the pig or the old pig <laughs> and saying, oh, I heard you, you know. And so it's just a great place for, and for good things, too, if you just, you know, so trust and confidentiality were big parts for us. Then I'm going to give you the I was just going to specifically address heresy, um, because when that's true. Um, But when Frank Limehouse came to the Advent, he was very concerned about all these different small groups and what are they teaching, and that was really one reason we did the the resource library, is to have kind of easy, medium, and and meaty studies that groups could go to, 
and be assured that they were um, orthodox. And that was something very deliberate, and we had a we really worked on the resource library for a couple of years, and keep now just try to keep it um, up to speed and add new new material as we get it. Um, but the resource library is just tremendous, and um, it really is a great place for a small group to go to find a good study on Galatians or you know Exodus or what have you. Um, so I would encourage people to go into the living room and just look at the resource library. So. Joel, any final words? Jump in. It's a huge blessing. Small groups. We're for them. Okay. All right. Get in with Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.